Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Spooky Gals, the podcast where we explore all sorts of real-life paranormal and creepy occurrences, from ghost sightings and hauntings to reported alien and cryptid encounters, myths, folklore, legends and more. Every week we'll cover a different true spooky story. We're your hosts, I'm Katrina. And I am Jasmine. Good morning, good evening, as always. Hello. Hello, everybody. So, Katty's not had much sleep, have you? <laughs> yeah, about four hours. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's been a stressful week for our Katrina. Yeah. If anybody has spoken to me, they know that I have done a, a Latin <laughs> exam. <laughs> and it, um, it's... Obviously, I, d- I did it at home. But it's a twenty-four hour exam. I don't know if you've ever done one of them. No, so it's I'm actually not. like you have five days to do it because they assume that you do like a certain amount of hours a day. Um, mm. But yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Like I don't know with Latin, it was just so stressful. <laughs> um, at at oh some points, I felt like I was just doing maths because what. Because with Latin, the words can go in any order. What? You can go in any order, and you have to work out the order of the sentence based on what, um, like, case the word is in. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I mean, if any of you know Latin, then please help Katrina and quiz her and no, make don't. her extra please good don't. at Latin. <laughs> please. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sure that you did, um, mm. as always, Katty. you always panic and you always do fantastic. No, oh, I'm going to go over it again once I've <laughs> finished. Oh, bless. Goodness me. So you've... <laughs> You've been you've been doing your Latin, and I've been playing Sims obsessively Yay, for I the past two days. Oh, can we discuss that, please? <laughs> oh my God! So again, anyone who knows us or who's listened to the podcast knows that we both love a creepy things and also mm-hmm. be the Sims. And the Sims Four latest stuff pack, which is paranormal stuff, just came out a couple of days ago. And we are obsessed. We are. Oh my god, it's amazing! Thank you so much, Patreon supporters, for um, fueling <laughs> our addiction. Our addiction, um, which also brings me on to um, just a, a massive shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Anthony Elliott, oh. who um, specifically oh. became a Patreon supporter to um, to support our Sims addictions. He said. Really? Thank you so much, Anthony. We really appreciate it. He also wants you to say the phrase bitch mittens. Me? Yes. <laughs> Why? Because he can imagine you um, saying it if you were to ever start a fight. And <laughs> Okay. And what? And what and would I do? <laughs> not use boxing gloves because you think they're bitch, bitch mittens. Mitt- okay, <clears throat> here we go. Bitch mittens. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> Just for you, Anthony. He said he he said he'd increase his Patreon tier if he said it. If I got you to say it, so you know there what? You go, if it'll, I will say I will say anything you want to increase the money. Okay, <laughs> anything you like, send it in, and I will say it for you. Yeah. Oh yeah, can we talk about Resident Evil as well? Oh yes, <laughs> as well as yes. Let's do it. Oh, my Let's do God. it. <laughs> oh, 
on Fair Ladies. Honestly. Yes, please. I never... I I can't even say that I never knew I wanted this because I've always known I wanted this. (laughs) (sighs) But yes, I believe all of us have seen the Resident Evil 8 trailer and all of the leaked footage of of this new game, Mm. which for some reason they chose everyone's wet dream as as the baddie. Um, This giant... No, what did you call her? This like giant eight foot tall vampire lady. Yeah. Oh my god! And she stabs you with her long nails. Yes. Oh. Beautiful. No Incredible. better way to die. Amazing. No better way to die. <laughs> Truly inspired. Truly inspired. inspired. I feel like this is the kind of content which you get only from years of just like pleading and begging for something other than that giant fuck off what was that dude the guy that just yelled stars um, and ran was that things. that's the one or was it tyrant because like, she's like you know what? she's like a perfected version of tyrant yes tyrant just, was like ugh. a sexy eight foot tall vampire lady yeah. well it's because this entire the entire game is like exactly what i love it's basically van helsing because there are werewolves as well. Oh my god. You know, a creepy castle in a little Eastern European village. Yes. Oh, yeah, incredible. All the hallmarks of all the shit we love. <laughs> so, what do we have on the menu today? Well, Tell this us, Kat. is a ghost story. <laughs> and it's quite a famous one, so I imagine that some people have heard of it. But it is the Greenbrier Ghost. So my sources for this were Wikipedia, AppalachianHistory.net, HeatherMonroe.medium.com, GothicHorrorStories.com, DustyOldThing.com, me, <laughs> um, and WestVirginiaHauntsAndLegends.com. On the twenty third of January, eighteen ninety seven. The body of a young woman named Elva Zona Heaster was discovered at the bottom of the stairs of her home. Thought to be nothing but a tragic accident, her death was judged to be due to natural causes. That was, until Zona's spirit appeared to her mother to declare that she had been murdered and demand justice for her death. Elva Zona Heaster was born to Mary Jane and Jacob Hedges Heaster in Greenbrier County, West Virginia, sometime between 1873 and 1876, making her 20 to 24 years old at the time of her death, and was brought up near Richlands in Greenbrier County, where her father worked as a farmer. Very little is known about her early life, other than that she gave birth to an unnamed child out of wedlock in 1895, who either died or was given to another family to raise. In 1896, Zona met a man named Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe, known to everyone as Trout, who had recently moved to Greenbrier County and was working as a blacksmith. Trout was a charming, tall, handsome, muscular man with black hair and blue eyes, and the two supposedly became instantly enamoured with each other and despite her mother's objections, they married a few months later on the 20th of October 1896. All seemed well for the couple, 
until Zona suddenly became ill only two months into the marriage. Although she seemed to be feeling a bit better after being treated by the family physician, Dr George W Knapp. On the morning of January 23rd, 1897, Trout went to the home of Martha Jones, a neighbour fondly known as Aunt Martha, to request that Martha's son, 11-year-old Anderson, run some errands for him and Zona, who was still resting and recovering from her illness. This wasn't too unusual, as Anderson regularly did odd jobs for various neighbours, and indeed was already busy on that day doing chores for Dr Knapp. What was strange, however, was the fact that Trout returned four more times to Martha's home that morning to see if Anderson was available, appearing more and more impatient each time. It wasn't until late afternoon that Anderson was able to fulfil Trout's requests, and when the boy arrived at the shoe home to see if Zona needed anything from the store, he sadly discovered her body laying at the foot of the stairs, stretched out with feet together and one hand on her stomach. The traumatised boy ran to tell his mother Martha, who quickly called for Dr Knapp. Dr Knapp did not arrive at the shoe residence for nearly an hour, and by this time Trout had already carried his wife's body upstairs to the bedroom and laid her out on the bed. He'd even washed and prepared the corpse himself, despite this traditionally being the job of female friends and family of the deceased, and dressed her in a high-necked dress with a stiff collar and draped a veil over her face. Trout remained with the body as Dr Knapp conducted a brief examination, cradling his wife's head while wailing and sobbing, reacting violently when Knapp attempted to inspect Zona's head and neck area. Most likely assuming that Trout's strange behaviour was just him being overcome with grief at the tragic death of his wife of only three months, and finding nothing substantial after examining the rest of her body, Dr Knapp declared Zona's cause of death to be everlasting faint, which is basically heart failure. This was later changed to complications from pregnancy, although it's not known whether Zona was actually pregnant, but Knapp had been treating her illness, which was described as female trouble, so he must have assumed that her death was related to that. Wow. It's already a lot to unpack, but stribbling trout shoe sounds like like a Shakespearean insult. <laughs> like, it does. You know? It really does. <laughs> Thou foul stribbling trout shoe. Goodness me. Also, everlasting faint is just wonderful. <laughs> All I can think of is that song, Everlasting Love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everlasting faint. Everlasting faint is going to be me once this is over and I can get back into bed. <laughs> Everlasting faint is just me at work trying not to do any work. <laughs> just overcome, like also, narcolepsy, you just overcome yeah. randomly. <laughs> Saying, I can't do that. <laughs> Farewell. The everlasting faint has come over. Me, me. when the bill comes. <laughs> God, and female trouble. I do, I do love that. Just like any doctor, if a woman comes up to them and they're like, I don't know, she's going crazy. <laughs> Wandering womb. Oh no, female trouble. Hmm. She's a crazy, hysterical lady. <laughs> At Zona's wake, where mourners gathered to pay their respects, Trout allegedly wouldn't allow anyone else to get too close to her. 
He spent the entire time pacing in front of the casket and fussing with a scarf that he'd wrapped around Zona's neck, which did not match her outfit, but he insisted was her favourite. He had also placed many excess pillows around her head, claiming that he wanted her to rest comfortably. Zona was buried the day after her death, on the 24th of January 1897, in a local cemetery called Soul Chapel Methodist Cemetery, and apparently several people had noticed a strange looseness to Zona's head when her casket was moved to the cemetery, but had dismissed it. While the majority of guests reasoned that Trout's strange behaviour at the wake must have been due to grief, Zona's mother, Mary Jane Heaster, was suspicious of her son-in-law and believed that he had something to do with her daughter's death. Mary Jane had never liked Trout very much, and she began to pray every night for answers as to what really happened to Zona. According to Mary Jane, a month after her daughter's funeral, Zona's spirit had appeared to her for four nights in a row, detailing how she'd been murdered by her husband. While some sources say that Zona appeared to Mary Jane in her dreams, others claim that she physically manifested in her mother's bedroom, filling the room with a bright light before becoming a full-body apparition. Either way, Zona's ghost accused Trout of being cruel and abusive once they'd gone married, and on the day of her death, he had become enraged and attacked her because he thought she hadn't cooked any meat for dinner, strangling her and breaking her neck. To prove that her neck was broken, Zona's spirit turned her head around until it was facing backwards, and she asked her mother to seek justice for her death. Now convinced that Zona had been murdered, Mary Jane Heaster went to local prosecuting attorney John Alfred Preston, and spent several hours in his office convincing him to reopen the case of her daughter's death. Although Preston was sceptical about Mary Jane's paranormal experiences, considering them the grief-fuelled hallucinations of a bereaved mother. He agreed to re-interview several people connected to the case, including Dr Knapp. After discovering that the doctor had been unable to conduct a full, in-depth examination of Zona's body due to Trout's interference, Preston became suspicious enough to reopen the case and ordered an exhumation of the body so that a proper autopsy could be conducted. Despite Trout's vigorous protests, Zona's body was disinterred and examined on the 22nd of February 1897, where it was quickly found that the first and second vertebrae of Zona's neck were indeed broken. The ligaments in her neck were also torn and ruptured, her windpipe was crushed, and there were finger marks on her neck indicating that she'd been strangled. Wait, so how quickly did they dig her up? Because if she had all of her bits still intact and all of this evidence still there, it must have been fairly well, it's the next fast. next month. Next month. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, not she pleasant. She wasn't looking but... very nice. On the strength of this evidence, as well as his behaviour during the inquest, Erasmus Stribling Trout Shoe was arrested and charged with the murder of his wife. He was held in Lewisburg jail while awaiting trial, and it was during this time that more information about his past came to light. 
it was revealed that Trout had actually been previously married twice, with his first wife divorcing him due to violent physical abuse, and the second wife dying in a mysterious accident when she was apparently hit on the head by a brick while helping Trout with a chimney repair. The trial began on the 22nd of June 1897, with Mary Jane Heaster serving as the prosecution's star witness. While prosecuting attorney John Preston was careful to confine his questioning to the known facts of the case, avoiding any claim of paranormal intervention in case it might be considered hearsay. The defence questioned Mary Jane extensively about her daughter's ghostly visits on cross-examination, hoping to ridicule her and show her to be an unreliable witness. This tactic backfired for Trout and his lawyer, however, as Mary Jane did not waver in her account of Zona's ghost visiting her multiple times, and many people on the jury seemed to believe it. The jury deliberated for only an hour and ten minutes before returning a verdict of guilty, and Trout was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. After a lynch mob gathered at the jail to hang him and had to be disbanded, Trout was moved to the West Virginia State Penitentiary in Moundsville, where he died three years later in March 1900 due to complications from measles and pneumonia and was buried in an unmarked grave nearby. Although Mary Jane's ghost testimony wasn't the sole evidence used in the case against Trout, it did mark the first and only time that the apparent testimony of a ghost was used in a court case in the American judicial system. Mary Jane Heaster never stopped believing that her daughter had visited her from beyond the grave, and in September 1916, she too passed away at the age of 66. While no further sightings of Zona's spirit have ever been reported, hopefully because she managed to find peace once her murderer was brought to justice, she remains one of West Virginia's most famous and beloved ghosts. Ah, oh, that's at least a happy ending. Yeah. You know? It was a positive ending. The bad once. guy got what was coming. The un- I love that one. That was really good. That was really beautifully written. Such a cool story. I mean, like, <laughs> you don't need a ghost to tell you that something is sus in this situation. <laughs> yes. Don't touch her head. Anything but the head. There to there. No touching. Stop. No. <laughs> Everyone good. Up here? No. No more. No. Doctor? No. <laughs> Look at me. I'm grieving. I'm gr- me grieving. Don't touch my wife. Okay. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, wow. That was a great one. That was a great one. And it just goes to show, girls, never trust a man who is good looking and unmarried. <laughs> Because he will be a murderer. It's just a fact. It's a simple fact. Right. Just don't do it. What you want is a tall vampire wife. That's what you want. Yes, that's true. (laughs) Okay. If I cut the Resident Evil part at the beginning, this won't make very much sense. (laughs) Or maybe it will. (laughs) I'm sure everyone's aware of this. Yeah. Like, with with no context, yes, you still want him. The giant vampire wife. <laughs> Definitely. Also, wait, I was just going to say, because you ended that by saying that it's one of 
West Virginia's most loved ghosts. Yeah. I'd be keen to know what the other ones are. Because, I mean, like, do they have a lot? Like... I don't I mean I feel like America Well I mean one of the one of the websites was West, West Virginia Haunts and Legends. Mm. So I assume that's yes. I mean I mean I do forget that America like the, each state is about the size of like an entire country. Yeah. So um yeah okay it's more believable now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. If you Disney. have a West Virginia story. <laughs> Please, Please send get in, in touch. <laughs> yeah. Because we actually, yeah, if anyone has any other strange, like, American ghost stories which we might not have heard of, please send them our way. Because, oh, yes, um, please. Or just in general that, like, we might not have heard of. Yes, yes. Very, very good. Please do. Yeah, so, thank you for joining us. Thank um, you very much. And we hope to have you back for next week's episode. If you want to get in touch for any reason, just to say hello or to send us a story of your own true paranormal or spooky experience, please email us at spookygirlspodcasts at gmail.com and also make sure to like and follow our Spooky Girls Facebook page as well as subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also check us out on Twitter at SpookyGirlsPod and on Instagram at SpookyGirlsPodcast. If you want to support us further, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash spookygirls and from as little as $2 a month, you gain access to bonus episodes and other awesome content that we have planned for the future. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you all next time. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Boom. <laughs> Done. Beautiful work.